And uh, we're going to start our new series on uh, the gospel account of John next time that I'm here, which will be not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that. So this morning we're going to look at the story of Joseph found in Genesis 37 through 50. So I hope this study will help you to better understand Joseph and just how powerful that his story is and how it relates to the gospel. So to start, we're going to read all 13 chapters. I'm kidding. I'm joking. So um, we'll be going through these chapters in kind of a concise way. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and just dive into this. In Genesis 37, we read that Joseph is next in line regards to this covenantal line, dating back to the covenantal promise that God made with Abraham, found in Genesis 13 and chapter 17. In chapter 13, verses 14 to 17, the Lord stated, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise. Walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So now Genesis 17 and verses 1 to 8, the scripture goes on to state, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations For an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. So this covenant, this this promise, not a contract, but a promise between Israel and God would come true as from this lineage came the Messiah who truly did bless all people, the children of Abraham, which includes us who believe in Christ Jesus. Now with the throne, Joseph was next in line, which leads to, unfortunately, envy, hatred, and an attempt of murder. Joseph's brothers were being sinful, and Joseph told their father Jacob about this, so they thought he was some little tattletale. Jacob, Israel, he loved Joseph as he was his favorite child. Jacob even made a robe of many colors for Joseph to wear. And these few, these few things continue to add to the fuel, to the fire of the wrath that Joseph's brothers had for him. As if tensions were not bad enough, Joseph had dreams that he would one day rule over his brothers. And this offended even his own father, Jacob, but he kept it in mind. As for Joseph's brothers... They continued to hate Joseph all the more. Their hatred continued to grow and grow and grow. Now in Genesis 37, 
18 to 36, Joseph's brothers cast Joseph into a pit. Then they sold him to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt and he was sold to Potiphar who was an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. And I love how John Piper stated that the brothers who thought they were destroying the dreams, the brothers who thought they were destroying the dreams were in fact fulfilling those very dreams. This was in regards to Joseph's dreams of ruling over his brothers. In Genesis 39 verses 2 to 6, the scripture says that the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw the Lord was with him and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So once again, now Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight and attended him. And he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all, the la- all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So the Lord was with Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was all on that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Sadly, this time ran out for Joseph because now instead of we just saw that that act of envy and we saw that act of hatred. Now we're going to see an act of lust. Potiphar's wife had different plans. She wanted to commit adultery. She wanted to have sex with Joseph. And so this this this, of course, startled Joseph. And as Paul said, flee from sexual immorality, flee from it. And so Joseph fled. He literally ran away from Potiphar's wife. Um, this, this startled Joseph when she was trying to do this. Potiphar gave Joseph everything he had to be an overseer of everything he had except his wife. And Joseph wanted to honor that. Joseph did not want to sin. But unfortunately for Joseph, when he fled, when he ran away from her, she took his robe and she showed it to Potiphar. And this, of course, angered Potiphar. As Joseph was framed. So now Joseph was thrown in prison again in verse 21 to 23 of Genesis 39, where it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Now, in chapter 41, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream. Joseph told Pharaoh how a famine was coming and he explained what what Egypt, what they needed to do regarding this famine. So for the next seven years, they prospered. But due to the leadership of Joseph, he said, we need to save. And so they saved their goods. And then for the seven years of famine, the Lord took care of their needs. In chapter 41, verses 37 to 45, Joseph continued to rise in power again as Pharaoh gave him all power. The only thing he had not that was Pharaoh's was the throne itself. So talk about a rags to riches story, right? This is all about how God blesses us with money, right? No, it's deeper than that. 
In Genesis chapter 42, we see Joseph's brothers were hungry and they and they set out to go get food during this famine. Those same brothers that said, you're nothing. We hate you. And they disagreed when Joseph said, one day I will rule over you. So where did the brothers go when they had no food? None other than Egypt, where Joseph was. And boy, were they in for a surprise. In verse 6, exactly what Joseph said they would do, they did. They bowed down to him. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him due to, to his age, as well as how he was now clothed in royalty. Joseph was governor over the land. In Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 to 4, it states, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that even the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They thought he was dead. Verse 4, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, after he revealed himself to them, these verses are so important for us to understand this story and is why we go through suffering so much in our own lives. This is a major biblical theme in all of Scripture. Verses 5 to 8, which state, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Joseph talking to his brothers. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all of his house and a ruler over all the land of Egypt. I love what David Guzik stated. He stated that Joseph honestly stated their sin of many years before. They wronged Joseph, his brothers. Yet in compassion, Joseph did not want them to be grieved or angry with themselves. Joseph was past his grief. He was past his anger towards his brothers and he wanted his brothers to also be past it. What an act of grace. Joseph stated, God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph did not diminish what the brothers did because he stated whom you sold into Egypt. He remembered what they did and how evil it was. Yet he saw that God's purpose in all of it was greater than the evil of the brothers. This is faithfulness. This is faithfulness displayed perfectly. When we're sinned against in life, we are tempted to fail in one or, both of the, one or both of these areas. We're tempted to pretend that the offending party never did anything. Or we are tempted to ignore the overarching hand of God in every circumstance. It is fair to ask, why was Joseph in Egypt? 
Was it because of the sin of his brothers or because of the good plan of God? The answer is that both aspects are true. Joseph stated, God sent me before you to preserve a remnant for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. All Joseph's sorrows were for a purpose. God used them to preserve his family and provide the conditions for it to become a nation, that being Israel. Joseph was a victim of men, but God turned it around for his glory. None of it was for a loss. If this family did not go into Egypt, then they would assimilate among the pagan tribes of Canaan and cease to become that distinctive separate people, a light to the other nations, that being Israel. God had to put them in a place where they could grow, yet remain distinctive as a nation. Years ago, Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote a remarkably wide-selling book titled When Bad Things Happen to Good People. It sold more than half a million copies before going to paperback and was on the New York Times bestseller list for a whole year. The whole point of his book was to say, God is all loving, but not all powerful. That God is good, but not sovereign. So when bad things happen to good people, it is because events are out of God's control. Kushner advised his readers to learn to love God and forgive him despite his limitations. Whatever Kushner described, it was not the God of the Bible. The God displayed in Joseph's life. Charles Spurgeon stated how wonderfully those two things meet in practical harmony. The free will of man and the predestination and sovereignty of God. Man acts just as freely and just as guiltily as if there were no predestination whatsoever. And God ordains. God is in control. He arranges. He supervises and overrules. Just as accurately as if there were no free will in the universe. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. So Joseph realized God was sovereign. God ruled his life. Not good men, not evil men, not circumstances or fate or destiny. But God was in control. And because God was in control, here's the main point for this morning. The key word here. All things worked together for good. I want to state that again. All things worked together for good and for God's will to be done. Joseph is a Christ-like figure. And this story beautifully represents the gospel. And if you're thinking how, here's how. Both Jesus and Joseph were rejected by their own people. Both Jesus and Joseph suffered. Without Joseph's suffering, the mistreatment by his brothers, and his imprisonment, Israel would have died off due to the famine. But due to God's faithfulness and steadfast love, he preserved Israel. I love what Todd Burroughs stated on the Old Testament. He said that the Old Testament is all about God promising and preserving his people. I'd also like to add that Israel was to be the light to the other nations and to be preparing for the arrival of the Messiah to come. 
Joseph and Jesus, they were rejected by their own people. They suffered due to their own people. And even though they suffered, the Lord's will was done. Jesus Christ rose from the grave three days later, just as he promised. Joseph's brothers bowed down to him as he stated in his dreams. And God took care of Joseph and preserved Israel through Joseph, taking care of them during this famine. The dream haters bowed down to the dreamer as we bow down to our King, Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. Church, I cannot tell you how many times in people's lives it has taken them to hit rock bottom to then believe in Christ. The sad thing is, is when most people are asked about what they believe in or about eternal life, Humans reject it. And here's one of the main excuses or the main reasons that humans reject Christ. I don't want any of that Christian stuff because I love my life the way it is. I love my life the way it is. When that is stated, brothers and sisters, when that's stated to you, you should weep. We should weep. Would you please believe in Christ? I want you to escape the wrath that's coming. The wages of sin is death and separation from God. Why do you reject the free gift that cost Jesus so much pain and crucifixion? The free gift of love and grace that Christ has given to us. Church, we need to pray for those who love this life more than the one to come. If you love this life more than the one to come, then I question your priorities and I want to challenge them. This life is just a mere speck compared to the size of eternity. We are to care about eternal things compared to what this sinful, broken world and what Satan has to offer Truly ask yourselves these questions. I love this quote by John MacArthur where he stated, The Christian life is a call to glory through a journey of suffering. The biblical display for us of true faithfulness would include the stories of Joseph, Job, Esther, and Jesus Christ himself. Don't lose heart when you go through suffering. Don't lose heart when you go through hard times. But praise God for those hard times as an opportunity to grow in sanctification and to grow in your relationship with Him. He is our refuge during the storms and you can rest to that. If you think you're not worthy of a relationship with Christ, I love to go back to when Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Salvation has been won. It's been won by the blood of Christ. But the way that we live our lives, it's, it's hard because we are called to do what? To deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow Christ. And to spread the gospel to all people with our words and actions. It's not easy. Nor is it supposed to be easy. 
But we do it for the glory of God due to what He's done for our salvation. Now in Genesis 50, verses 20 to 21, it states, As for you, you meant evil against me, Joseph stated, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he was going to help out his brothers. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I think that we too can learn from this amazing grace which Joseph had for his brothers. His own people, just like the way that Christ Jesus did, Jesus and Joseph had grace. And Christ has grace on us every day as we are all sinners, myself included. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The beautiful thing is this, the gospel, that being that God wrapped himself in flesh. He lived the sinless life for us. He displayed his miracles. He displayed healings, etc. He was an innocent man. Picked up his cross. He was lashed. And on that cross, when he was pierced to it, he took the full wrath of God to atone and pay for our sins. To pay the death that we owe because sin, the wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. Yet we can praise our holy God that gives us grace, that bore our sins and died for us and gave us grace and forgiveness and reconciliation back to Him. And He is alive. Three days later, He rose again. Now with this truth of the gospel, how will you live your life? Joseph, just like Christ Jesus, he could, have, he could have killed his brothers with all the power he had. He could have killed them. He could have thrown them in prison. I'm going to throw you in the pit for seven years. I'm going to make you feel the pain that I suffered. Yet he gave grace, which is forgiveness that they didn't deserve. Yet he gave it. And instead of lording over them, he died to himself out of love for them. Just like Jesus took the death that we owed. So have you in your life received this grace that the Lord has given you? Or do you reject him because you care more about your life and you want the throne? I beg you to not stay there. Die to yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Christ. You want everlasting peace? We must remain faithful to Jesus. We must keep our eyes on Him every day. For Christ alone has saved us by His love and grace. This is true. And through Jesus, we are credited His righteousness. We become co-heirs. And we are set free from our sins. Because oh, how our Lord Jesus Christ died for us. So that we can have grace, we can be reconciled back to God, and we also are given the gift of eternal life, that being salvation. So what are you going to do with this gift? Let's pray.
Holy God, we're so thankful for this story of Joseph. We're thankful for the grace that he displayed, as well as the faithfulness. Because, Lord, this, this life is hard. We face suffering. We face persecution. But all for your glory. We die to ourselves. We pick up our crosses and we follow you due to the hope that we have. And that hope does not put us to shame. That one day you will wipe away every tear. One day there will be no more sin. One day we will be given our resurrected bodies. And one day we will be with you forever as to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So continue to help us to grow in sanctification. Help us to grow in our relationship with you from now and forever due to your amazing grace that you have given us sinners and the love that you poured out for us on the cross that is sacrificial, eternal love. Help us to rejoice this day and to live for you and ultimately that to die is gain. In Jesus' name, amen.